Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Hey, remind me. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program Today's Issues right here on American Family Radio. We thank you for listening, as always. I'm Tim Wildman with Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. And Ray Pritchard's back with us. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Doing well, Ray. You've been on the road, have you? I have been. Let's see. Well, I was in Alabama, and then I was up in Chicago and Michigan a couple of weeks ago. And now home, Tim, for... Uh, a few weeks until Thanksgiving. <coughs> then what? Well, I'm out to Oregon speaking. In fact, on Thanksgiving Day, I'm doing a Thanksgiving Bible conference at Cannon Beach Conference Center in Oregon from uh, Thanksgiving morning on through the following Sunday. Well, I thought that was in the summer you went out to Oregon. Yeah, typically it is, typically. But they, they do a Thanksgiving conference and get... Several hundred people come, and so it's a really big deal. And I've done the Christmas conference out there in December, but never been there at Thanksgiving. So, yeah, usually Oregon <laughs> in the summer, usually not uh, Thanksgiving. Right. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Right. All right. Well, we're happy you're back home and able to be with us this week, or at least today. Yes. Uh, all right. You weren't with us Tuesday, right? Well, you know, I was having some, I, I'm in the middle, I'm between two eye surgeries, Tim. I had, this is a mark of my age, okay? I'm having yes. cataract surgery. So I had mm-hmm. my left eye done Tuesday and my right eye is being done next Tuesday. And so my glasses, which I've worn forever, they're no good now. I'm just, I'm betwixt, one eye is sort of much better and the other eye is yet to come. So, well, I, I feel you. As they say, I had that same thing done, and uh, it means you got to buy new glasses. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I noticed yesterday, I guess, because I've got, of course, in these cataract deals in both eyes, and suddenly I, I told my wife yesterday, wow, everything, I was looking at stuff through kind of a brown haze, and I didn't realize it because now through my left eye, which got done Tuesday, everything's really bright. So I'm seeing half with with one eye bright colors and the other other eye kind of my my brain's messed up it is. <laughs> well, that's, that's the end of that story yeah, my brain's and, messed and, up and, and that's that's good for us to know that you're on live radio that's right that your brain's messed up and no telling what you might say that is, uh, that's right. i'm not responsible for anything i say it's just my brain all right people. Well, folks, thanks for listening. If you want to join us on uh, what Ed Battagliano calls that there internet, you just go to Facebook or YouTube. You type in Today's Issues, and you can join us there. Type in Today's Issues, Facebook or YouTube, and you can join us on the live video stream. Now, I might just tell you, if you mistakenly type in the word ivermectin, (laughs) then uh, the government will be tracking you down, and you'll be blocked from watching our show, probably. Uh, just it's just getting crazy out there at this the censorship that's taking place over just discussing things you can't even discuss things in in america without the big social media at least shutting you down mm-hmm. uh all right uh fred what's leading the news this morning well just about 50 minutes ago uh the house judiciary committee 
opened up an oversight hearing, and the guest panelist today is none other than the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland. Now, the chairman of that committee is uh, Democrat Jerry Nadler of New York. He opened up, and we shouldn't be surprised, he praised uh, the Attorney General for all the good things he's doing, including taking action against uh, parents who get a little too vocal at school board meetings. Well, uh, I tell you what, uh, the ranking member of the committee is uh, Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. When he got his turn this morning to open up and give his opinion on what the Attorney General's Department is doing with regards to school board meetings, he let both barrels fly. Here's Jim Jordan. The chairman just said the Trump DOJ was political and went after their opponents. Are you kidding me? Three weeks ago, the National School Board Association writes President Biden asking him to involve the FBI in local school board matters. Five days later, the Attorney General of the United States does just that, does exactly what a political organization asked to be done. We've sent, Republicans on this committee have sent the Attorney General 13 letters in the last six months. Takes weeks and months to get a response. Eight of the letters, we've got nothing. And all our letters were actually sent to the Attorney General. Here's a letter sent to someone else asking for a specific thing to be done, and in five days, the Attorney General does it. Here's what the October 4th memo said. Quote, I'm directing the FBI to convene meetings with local leaders. These meetings will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting. A snitch line on parents started five days after a left-wing political organization asked for it. All right, that was Congressman Jim Jordan and... uh, Now, uh, the Attorney General has responded to that because it's come up from other Republican members of that committee in just the last few minutes. He says, this is the Attorney General, I fully support the First Amendment rights of parents uh, to bring up objections at school board meetings. But the very fact that just a few weeks ago, this same Attorney General announced uh, that he's opening up a communication line with school boards who may be concerned about the level of objection from parents, and the attorney general has said, don't worry about it, Uh, we'll take action. Yeah. Ray, your thoughts on this? You know, this is the sort of thing that ought to be handled on a local level, right? Mm -hmm. Look, if if you go to a school board meeting, I don't care how upset you are, and you you brandish a gun, they're going to call the cops, you're going to be arrested, and you should be, right? If you utter... A threat, they're going to call the police, and you're going to be taken away, and you're going to get in trouble, and you should be. Tim, it seems to me that these are, to the extent that this is a problem, and I do not think this is a huge problem anyway, to the extent that this is a problem, this is why we have local police authority. School boards have always had the ability to call for help if they needed it. This is an attempt, a thinly veiled attempt, to intimidate conservative American parents, or at least to say American parents in general, who have children in our public school system and they are concerned about what is being taught. It is an attempt, a blatant attempt, thinly veiled, to silence the opposition voices in America. It's outrageous. Yeah, I I agree with you. If there's any problems at a local school board meeting, then call the police mm-hmm. or call yeah. the sheriff's office or something like that. Yeah. The FBI, good grief. Huh? Yeah. But the, but the, what Jim Jordan's making a point is that Merrick Garland, the attorney general, responded almost immediately. Five days. Five days. 
Did he make a statement mm-hmm. about this? Did Mary, saying the FBI will be looking into? Yes, that's what Jim Jordan was okay. saying. Okay, I, I just didn't. I don't, if we can find that, I'd like to have that Brent, Brent later on. Basically, has Jim Jordan called? You know what I'm talking it? about? I'm talking about Merrick Garland, the AG, commenting on the use of the F, using the FBI against uh, parents yeah. involved in. Jim Jordan used the term uh, snitch line being set up. Well, the very idea that the, as I agree completely with Ray, the very idea that the Attorney General of the United States would involve himself with uh, local school board meetings yes. uh, is, that's not his job. That's not his role. That's not the, he, he's to oversee the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation and, and other aspects of the Justice Department. I, I, I think, you know, <sighs> leading into the discussion this morning, and, and, and it's all part of a larger discussion that's going on in this country right now and, and growing concern. Nadler talked about, you know, we're not going to politicize the justice system unlike the previous administration. He opened with that remark. Jim Jordan is saying, wait a minute, that's exactly what's going on because you see in the mainstream media and quote it, you know, Nancy Pelosi has her committee investigating what she calls the insurrection on January the 6th. Yes, there was a riot, but insurrection is totally something else. Insurrection is something that you see in third world countries, guns drawn, trying to take over a coup. It wasn't a coup attempt. Uh, Louis Gohmert is is another member of this committee, a Republican member of this committee, just a few minutes ago. You got Jim Jordan and Louis Gohmert? Yes. Mm. That's a tag team I'll pay to watch right there That's right. Huh? He was just getting into the fact that he wanted to ask the attorney general, and I didn't get a chance to hear the complete response. But Louis Gohmert was pointing out there are people who have been arrested, people who were involved in the January 6th riot at at the Capitol. People who have not had their day in court yet are still being held in jail. Now, Louis Gohmert is a former judge. He said... Go after them. If they've broken the law, go after them. But to be holding people without giving their day in court for months, months, some of them, uh, the reports are in solitary confinement there in Washington, D.C. And all that uh, the, uh, the attorney general responded to that by saying, well, I understand there's a review going on of this situation. And yeah. that's kind of as far as it's gone. <clears throat> all right. Sandy talks about this a lot. Yes. She's keeping track of that story. Mm -hmm. All right, next. What do you got next? Fairfax County, Virginia. We know there's a gubernatorial election coming up one week from this coming Tuesday on November the 2nd. Well, You mean uh, in Virginia for the governorship? In Virginia. Okay. Uh, Jay Christian Adams, who fills in for Sandy from time to time, is also president and general counsel of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. Now, what they have found out that in Fairfax County, the election officials there are not requiring that people who send in absentee ballots include the last four numbers of their Social Security numbers. This has always been required in the past? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you know the people voting are the are the people or who they say they are. You can cross-reference it. Right, right, gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so uh, we interviewed Jay Christian Adams yesterday on this, and it's going to be cut number four, Brent. 
Fairfax County, Virginia is the largest county in a state with a hot governor's race. And the election officials in Fairfax decided to just ignore the law. Sound familiar? Ignore the law and stop requiring the proof that absentee ballot applications are for the real people. And you do that by putting your Social Security last four digits down. It's an important right to vote protection. And the county just decided they weren't going to follow the law anymore. Yeah, so there you have it. So that challenge is going before the courts. I. Why would you do that? that? That's the question I would have for the Fairfax County people. Because the Democrats don't want you to be able to verify people are voting uh, uh, legally. That's, I mean. Hanky-panky What other explanation can, can you have? Wow. For that? Why, why would you want to change? By the way, they're trying to change the, the rules now, like a, you know, like you said, a Ten word. days. Before the election mm-hmm. in the large, is that the most populous county in? That's what Jay Christian Adams, Virginia, said. yeah, Fairfax. And so you're saying, or what he's saying, they've had this uh, four last four digits of Social Security for absentee ballots. Correct. Okay. So they the Democrats want to take away the four digit Social Security ending. Yeah, they're not requiring it right now. Yeah. That would be on there. So how but, can you But it's you been verify? required in the past. Is oh, what yes. You said. Yeah. Okay. And you're saying it's it, the law. Jay Christian Adams says it's the law. Well, it's I'm sure the, the uh, Republicans and the uh, gubernatorial candidate uh, there, the gentleman's name. What's he? Youngin. Young? Youngin. Yeah. Youngin. He, he will chal- he's challenging this, right? Yes. Immediately. And Jay Christian Adams' group also. But, I mean, goes to a court, dear knows today, depends on what judge they appear before. As to whether this will be... Well, the Democrats fight driver's license verification, too. It, not all Democrats, no. let me just say that. No. But in a lot of places. Yes. They, they, fight, for, they fight against uh, uh, driver's license or, or government ID verification. Yes. This absentee ballot, this goes back to 2020, when under the guise of concerns about pandemic and people getting out to vote... You had states in this country that sent absentee ballots out to everyone in the state, whether they asked for it or not. And a lot of folks think that's just opening the door for the potential for fraud. Yeah. Well, look, this is what happened last year, Fred, exactly what you said. This is what happened in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, other places across the country in the name of of. Uh, or using the pandemic, let's say, as the excuse. You change the rules uh, because it's an emergency situation, and suddenly the safeguards that have been put in for many, many years, they're thrown out in places like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and so on. This this is how you get to the debacle we had last November. So what is going on in Virginia is just, uh, in small letters, what the Democrats did all over the country last year. They're hoping for a repeat of what happened last November the 3rd. Really, uh, I, I would have thought Terry McAuliffe would fairly easily win re-election, but uh, it's a lot closer. I mean, it's the, the Republican at least has a fighting chance to come out and win, and this is one way you put your finger on the scales by just ignoring what the law says. The law says you got to provide the last four digits, and they say, no, we're not going to. That, that's a way of putting your finger on the scale to, to tip it in the most populous county 
to make sure McAuliffe stays in power. Just whole an, thing is yes. it's it's <clears throat> unsavory. Just least. a note of clarification. Not that you, I don't know that you're necessarily wrong on this, Ray, but he's not being reelected consecutively. No, uh, McAuliffe should he oh. be should he be elected? Right. Uh, was this the, will be his second term? It'll be his second non-consecutive term. Yes, right? yes. Yeah, that's okay. where they you, in yes. Virginia you can't be governor, but for four years, and then you got you right. can run again in the future, but you have to step down after four years. You know, Ray used the term "putting fingers on the scale." McAuliffe is in trouble, as we've been reporting. And he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be, but he is. Right. Uh, one of the reasons is during that debate about three, four weeks ago uh, with his young and the important the opponent. He said parents should not have a say over what their kids are taught in school. Yeah, that was a big... Remember that? That was a big uh, soundbite mistake. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Number two is that, and, and again, McAuliffe admitted this. Right. He didn't think he was on microphone, but he admitted this. He says, President Joe Biden's kind of dragging us down here <laughs> in Virginia. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no yeah. kidding. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens there. And I say he shouldn't, McAuliffe shouldn't be in trouble. Uh, by that I mean Virginia has become a um, a purple state, uh, yeah. it, trending blue. Yes, the purple trending blue, where it used to be a pretty reliable red red state. And there's still a lot of parts of Virginia that are red that that are uh, what you'd call red state, but because of the uh, growth of the uh, northern. Washington, D.C., suburban counties, <clears throat> and they're almost all Democrat, heavily Democrat. That has changed the uh, dynamics there. Mm-hmm. Not in the Republicans' favor, typically. But so if, the, so if the Republican wins the gubernatorial race, it will be an upset. Yep. It, will, it will be an upset. All right, what's next, Fred? Well, uh, let's stay with this a little bit. You know, we've been talking about Virginia because uh, even the Democrats are admitting uh, and long and Democrat supporters are admitting uh, if Virginia goes down to the Republicans, it doesn't uh, fare well uh, for next year's midterms. Uh, they're linking the two. No, it doesn't. It now, would not. And that's probably why uh, uh, McAuliffe has called in the help from a heavy hitter on the Democrat side, Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States. And, you know, we've talked I think we talked about this a little bit. She's made a video that's running yeah. in 300 black churches in Virginia where she says, go out and vote for Terry McAuliffe. Yeah. All right. So they're worried about, I was reading a story this morning, they're very worried about the black vote in Virginia, that it is not as enthusiastic as it was in 2020. Uh, so they're calling in Kamala Harris. The other thing that's happening, we've talked how, about this well, before. How is she supposed to help? Well, I guess they believe that she's a hero amongst uh, folks in the black church. No, she's not. <laughs> I can make that observation from a thousand miles away. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's not. Did you hear her endorsement yeah, of I, my friend Terry McCullough? Yeah. You talk about dispassionate, unconvincing. Uh, <laughs> do we have that? It's it's uh, Vice President Harris endorsing uh, Terry McAuliffe. That video she made for the black churches, mm. telling them to go out and vote for uh, McAuliffe. Uh, do we do we have that? 
I want you to hear the passion, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in, uh, in the voice of, of, of Vice President Harris. I believe that my friend Terry McAuliffe is the leader Virginia needs at this moment. I know that you will send Terry McAuliffe back to Richmond. So please vote after today's service. Boy. Wow. Sounded uh, red, red, didn't it? it oh, she was like reading it. it off the she card walked, for the very first time. <laughs> yes. Oh, I think she just walked in to the office and said, give me the, what do you want me to read? Okay. I'll right. read. She can barely pronounce a fella's name. I know. I know. My friend Terry, Terry. I think she put about two more syllables in there that were, that aren't really in his name. And she sounded like she'd known him for what, uh, a week? I mean, my maybe, good friend. Huh? Maybe. My good friend whom I've never yeah. met. That was just that was just <laughs> completely unconvincing uh, yes. for me. But but then she says, "Go out and vote for him after today's service or something like that." So she? are they are are they hoping that would be played in the black church yes. services? Oh, yeah. yes. that's the plan. Is there is yes. there a problem? Is there a First Amendment issue here of doing that? Well, I said yesterday, in my opinion, no, there isn't because okay. I don't think any church should be prohibited. It's what President Trump uh, did when he said, I'm getting rid of the Johnson Amendment. Right. Uh, uh, I don't think any church, black, white, Hispanic, multi-race, uh, whatever denomination, they should, if they want to talk about politics from the pulpit, you go for it, okay? That shouldn't be forbidden speech. However, as we pointed out yesterday, or was it the day before, the problem is the complete double standard here. If this were a Republican, a conservative uh, if this were Vice President Pence, for yeah, example, yeah, right. and he were doing a, uh, a videotape and he said, hey, I want to put this in uh, uh, white evangelical churches. Can you can we run this on Sunday? <clears throat> now, I don't think there are very many, quote, white evangelical churches anymore. I said this yesterday. Their churches are pretty diverse uh, today as opposed to, say, 30, 40 years ago. However, I'm just saying, Voters, uh, can we put these in churches where voters are typically Republican? Okay, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Then the liberal media would have had a conniption. Yeah. All right, they would have just gone ballistic, saying this is a separation. Never hear the end of it. Yeah, you. This is a separation of church and state issue, and they need to be investigated. But if it's Al Sharpton, right, telling people to get out and vote using the church pulpit, then nobody says anything. Because they don't want to be accused of racism, right? So it's a complete and utter du double standard. But if I were Terry McAuliffe and I listened to that and I listened to that endorsement, I would say, "Do not play that." Yes. That's right. Do not play that. Do not play that. That was, that was. Uh, Thanks for nothing, Kamala. That's right. right. By the way, she is. She is. Uh, she's not African American. No. She's Jamaican and Indian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know what I'm saying? I, and and she I, never met this guy anyway. So no, that, obviously I mean, that's what it my sounds good friend, like. Well, uh, my good Terry friend, Terry I, I've got another basic question. Yeah, she lives just down the road. <laughs> Go why down do they, there. Why do they have to make a videotape? I know. Why yeah. can't you just take a little ride across the Potomac <sighs> and go visit? I don't know. I just, I just, I just, I just. I, if I were McAuliffe, I would say, do not play that. Until she can show some energy. Huh? Right. A little bit of passion. Yeah, show some conviction. Do it with the voice of conviction. <laughs> I endure I want you to go vote for my friend Terry McAuliffe. Uh 
and send him back to Richmond. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, I, I would do it. If I were Terry McAuliffe, I would do it. I'm Terry McAuliffe, and I don't approve of this message. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not approve. I do not approve of this message. All right. We, we shall return momentarily with more of today's issues, more topics and guests to come. Stay with us. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. You know, when Matthew 19, the, the scripture records a Pharisee trying to test Jesus concerning marriage, and Jesus responded, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In the beginning, the first institution God created was the family. Marriage is the centerpiece of family. As a husband and father myself, let me tell you, <laughs> marriage is absolutely wonderful. And we want to encourage and educate people to embrace God's design as the fundamental building block for all of human civilization and to celebrate the lifelong union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. If you want to be a preschool teacher in Ohio, you have to study racism, white privilege, and queer sexuality. Campus reform recently exposed some unusual curriculum being taught in the early childhood education program that's happening at Ohio State University. The coursework basically instructs would-be teachers on how to turn their classrooms into propaganda centers for left-wing causes. For example, one lesson discusses what they call the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy of mathematics for first graders. Long-form division is apparently racist. Another lesson is titled Dealing with Second Graders and Rape Culture. And then there's the LGBT library filled with queer and transgender-themed storybooks. I think we can all agree that anyone who teaches preschoolers how to embrace their queer feelings has no business being anywhere near a public school classroom. You know, back when I was in grade school, the teachers were too busy teaching us reading, writing, and arithmetic. But I'm just old school. I'm Todd Stearns. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. American Family Radio. 
This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Hey, let me remind you folks who listen to Trivia Friday, which is tomorrow, that tomorrow we're going to be taking first-time callers only. So, not that we don't love and appreciate our veteran callers to Learning University. It's just that tomorrow we're going to reserve for first-time callers only because we have such a vast student body that we want as many people, uh, many of our students have a chance to get in to class, to virtual class as possible. So first-time callers only tomorrow on Trivia Friday, and Ed and JJ will be here So with me. So we're looking forward to that. You're listening to the radio program. Today's issue is on American Family Radio. So if you want to watch us on the Internet, internet go to YouTube or Facebook and just type in today's issues, today's issues. And then if you want to access the uh, stories that we talk about firsthand, you can read about them. Fred posts them on, Fred and Chris post them on our Facebook page with Brent. So check that out. Ray Pritchard with us today. Fred Jackson, I'm Tim Wildman. Next story, Fred. Well, uh, we've been talking about the fact of this election that's coming up in Virginia in about 10 days. It is going to be the first election in that state because Virginia, in particular Loudoun County and a few other, like Fairfax County, have become the center point of a huge national story in this country, and that is parents across this country really upset with what their kids are being taught. As we've talked about before, what happened during the peak of the pandemic last year, a lot of kids were learning from home. Parents were looking over their shoulder and they were saying, what in the world? My kids are being taught stuff like critical race theory. Critical race theory, short reminder, basically says if you're born white, you're an automatic oppressor. If you're born black, you're automatically the oppressed. Parents, I don't care. Their political affiliation doesn't seem to matter. We're talking Democrats, independents, and Republicans. They're saying, I don't want my kids being taught this stuff. Well, it was really interesting yesterday on The View, not a bastion of conservatism, the ABC program, The View. Uh, I'm not sure why conservatives go on that show, but uh, a brave conservative, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, was on that program yesterday or the day before, I think it was. And she spoke out because uh, she was challenged on the idea what's wrong with critical race theory. Here's her response. Here's where she stands, Condoleezza Rice, on the teaching of critical race theory to our kids. Cut three. I thought they didn't teach critical race theory until they went to, like, law school or something. That's right. I sure hope not, because I'm not certain seven-year-olds need to learn it. I grew up in segregated Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. My parents never thought I was going to grow up in a world without prejudice, but they also told me, that's somebody else's problem, not yours. You're going to overcome it. I would like black kids to be completely empowered, to know that they are beautiful in their blackness. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, I don't have to make white kids feel bad for being white. 
it. So somehow this is a conversation that has gone in the wrong direction. We teach the good and we teach the bad of history. Yes. Yeah, but right. what we don't do is make seven and ten year olds feel that they are somehow bad people because of the color of their skin. That doesn't seem to be part of the plan. Oh, it no. is part of the yeah. plan. I mean yeah, it is part of the plan. You know what was interesting? Good for her. The wow. view audience. Did you hear the clapping yes. with Condoleezza yes. Rice? Yes, yes. And that audience, that's I was a liberal audience. That's a liberal yes, audience. Yeah, yeah. Ray, your thoughts on that? They were applauding her common sense. God bless Condoleezza Rice for having the courage to go into an unfriendly venue like The View and speak the truth. Because Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg and whoever else is around the table, they have no answer. And even a liberal audience, guys, like they have there with The View, even a liberal audience recognizes the truth when it is said as clearly as that. So yeah. God bless her. Yeah, and, and I think folks need to understand, I'm speaking generally here about critical race theory. We have experts like Miki Addison and Abraham Hamilton III and others who could go into great detail and they do on their programs about critical race theory and with the problems with it. But, uh, I don't want people to be, uh, misled. We're not talking about uh, some sort of denial of, of history. No. Uh, you know, the fact that, uh, our children should be taught about slavery mm -hmm. and they are, and they have been, I was, mm -hmm. they should be taught about the civil rights movement and Dr. Martin Luther King's, uh, cause and and all the struggles there that we went through as a country uh, the, the mistreatment of of uh, african-american folks uh, but what the critical race theory that isn't what critical race theory is about no critical race theory is a marxist godless teaching and ideology which seeks to pit people against one, pit Americans against one another based on their skin color and based to to teach distrust of or disdain for people, especially white folks. It's, it's meant to cause everybody who reads this and goes through this to say, you know, white people are the uh, oppressors of people of color, and therefore they must be resisted. They must be opposed. They must be... Dare I say hated, and uh, it's 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 a very divisive, intentionally so, uh, ideology and teaching that is terrible for our country, and that's what's being opposed. Not the teaching of of, of African American history or American history, which teaches about slavery or civil rights and those kinds of things. So that's what Condoleezza Rice was talking about, and boy, she did a great job of. Uh, she hit a home run right there. She did. In, in the enemy's ballpark. So yeah. I don't want seven and ten year olds who happen to have white skin to be told right. that you're evil. Right. Because yeah. of your skin color. Yeah. You know, is it, that's not a spoiler alert to today, is it? I take the view every day <laughs> so I can watch it at night. Allison, I just, we, we can't get enough. Sometimes we watch it twice. Right. Got to watch it. We'll watch the view twice. Whoopi Goldberg's our favorite. <laughs> On there, she enjoy uh, what's her name? Behar. That that lady. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Dig that lady. She's so smart. <laughs> All right, uh, Fred. Next story. You, uh, we've talked about it this week. Uh, President Joe Biden's numbers are in the tank, 
And we're not talking about one poll, uh, Rasmussen or, you know, other kind of conservative. We're talking across the board. Go check it out for yourself. We talked about a Quinnipiac poll yesterday, Tim. Uh, I think the uh, the rating is down around 37%. Yeah, he's it's abysmal. It's it, So the Democrats are in bad shape. And this is even with the liberal media. Yes. Helping him out. Yes, trying their best yeah. to boost him up. So you think the response would be, okay, we've got to do something. Maybe we have to change our message, change our policies, back off on some things. But a few days ago, a columnist with the Washington Post Here's the was the solution that has been suggested now. America must lower its expectations on how they live. Now they're connecting it to the bare uh, store shelves and the uh, getting goods into stores. Just you know, uh, Jen Psaki a few days ago she was asked about what is the president doing about the sixty ships offshore there in California trying to unload their stuff and. Oh, she, she made a smart aleck remark about, oh, they're not getting their treadmills. No, that's not what America is. By they, she means American. She was mocking the whole supply chain problem. Abs- so this is the, the, the narrative that it's going. This Washington Post piece basically said the same thing. Come on, America. You know, you've had it good for so long. Get over it. This is going to be life going forward. So just get used to Joe Biden's disaster as a president. It was really interesting Uh, This week, Tucker Carlson said, don't think that this isn't part of a pattern and a message going forward in this country. And and basically what he said was this. This goes back to the riots that we saw in Minneapolis last year, where you had liberal commentators from CNN and from other networks trying to downplay these riots and the looting. Remember all of this in Minneapolis? You know, the reporter that was standing in front of the burning buildings and saying it's really not as bad as it looks. Tucker Carlson, in in getting into the thrust of his message, his editorial the other night, also played uh, a piece from Don Lemon from CNN on how he was describing the riots as they took place in Minneapolis. Uh, Jan Markell, our friend, has said five blocks of that city have been destroyed by these rioters. But here was Don Lemon's take on all of that. Cut number and one. Let's not forget, if anyone is judging this, I'm not judging this. I'm just wondering what is going on. Our country was started because this is how the Boston Tea Party rioting. So don't do not get it twisted and think that, oh, this is some something that has not never happened before. And then this is so terrible. And where are we and these savages and all of that? This is how this country was started. What? Yep. Oh, brother. He's that, comparing the riots all over America, the burning down, alluding uh, to you, the Boston Tea Party. Uh, you just heard it. That's what he was. Rioting. He's ignorant. He's an ignorant man. Or either he knows the truth and is deceiving people. I think he knows the truth. Right. And is deceiving people. Yes. And there's no comparison between the Boston Tea Party and the riots in Portland, Seattle, burning down the the police precincts and and all that happened in Minneapolis. That's a, that's crazy. That's a crazy comparison and it's extremely dangerous. It's a way of excusing violence, lawlessness, and all the rest. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Remember Chris, Chris Cuomo, his, 
compatriot there at CNN. Mm -hmm. Remember, he said, uh, tell me where in the Constitution protests have to be peaceful. You remember that? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but I almost got it verbatim. That's why he was excused. Chris Chris Cuomo at at, uh, CNN was also excusing the rioting that was going on all over the country uh, as acceptable. Because yes. because of the cause it yes. represented. It is absolutely amazing to me how they frame these riots that we saw, as Ray was mentioning, Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, other cities. Yet when it comes to what happened on January the 6th, right? oh, that's insurrection. That is domestic terrorism. That is, wait a minute, in Minneapolis, the video is there. You saw looting. What does what does that have? Why is it okay for people to go in and steal, and shut down businesses in this city? What does that have to do with? Oh, that's how this uh, country was built upon that kind of protest, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, to move on in Tucker Carlson's editorial, and and again, the thrust he's trying to make is the Democrats are now telling America. Tone down your concerns about all of this. We have to learn to live with less in this country. The next piece of audio he played was of the mayor of San Francisco. London Breed is her name. And she was asked a question about Walgreens being forced to shut down their stores in San Francisco. Because San Francisco allows people to go into stores and steal up to $1,000 without repercussions. Walgreens has responded by closing down. They just closed down another five. I think they had closed down almost a dozen prior to this. This is how the mayor of San Francisco responded to the question of Walgreens closing down even more stores. Cut to. Ultimately, um, you know, they've made their decision. Uh, We have tried to work with them in order to um, ensure that we are covered in terms of having pharmacies all across the city. This is gonna, of course, impact a lot of our neighborhoods, but I wouldn't say, go as far as to say they can't do business. They still have a lot of stores. Everywhere you look, almost every corner, you'll see a Walgreens and some of these stores are not just closing because of retail theft, they're closing because they're not necessarily bringing in the sales that they once did. So I don't want to attribute that completely to just retail theft. They're not bringing in the sales that they once did, but let's not blame threat. Are we changing the language? Are we going from shoplifting to, is it called retail theft now? Retail theft. Did you notice that? Retail theft. (laughs) So you can can in San Francisco, you can go in and yeah. You can, uh, you, well, we used to call it shoplifting or plain stealing. Yeah. Up yeah. to up to up to what was the limit you said? Fred? Up to it's nine hundred and some dollars. Yeah. They have mm-hmm. a shoplifting aisle where you scan <laughs> your products, and yeah. that way you can tell if you're going over a thousand dollars or not, which I think okay. is a great, you know, it's a great service to nine eighty seven, nine eighty nine. Yes, okay. you got to stop right there. You can't add that Snickers bar, okay, That's lady. Right. You're too close. You're too close. Yes, if you want to steal from our store here, the city of San Francisco uh, sets the limit at a thousand dollars. You know, the only surprise here, guys, is that Walgreens hasn't completely pulled out. They will eventually altogether, because clearly she's not worried about them. She's not worried about their ability to stay in business. She'd rather she'd rather support the right of what 
retail theft. Wow, what yeah. a phrase. She says yeah. it's really important, you know, because they have pharmacies, and that's important. But it, she's almost saying to Walgreens, hey, get over it. That, Let, that is live, what she's saying, is Live isn't with it? the theft. Right. Right. Stop complaining. Yeah. I know. It's, some of the videos are ridiculous. These people go and they get a shopping cart and they proceed to go around the aisles of Walgreens and then roll it out without paying. Well, answer me this question. Does that mean, does that, what you're saying, Fred, does that mean nobody stops them? I mean, nobody says, hey, are you going to pay for this? Or they just, they just roll in, get what they want, and roll out because they know the cops aren't going to do anything. One well, of the videos I saw, yeah. there was a security guard. I don't even know why they have a security guard. No, just, they had a security guard that kind of put out his arm when the guys were rolling by with their stolen goods and their shopping carts, kind of just put out his fingers and kind of swept by their yeah. arm, and that was it. Yeah, that was the security guards there don't, don't, that I've seen don't have guns. Well, if you're a security guard, why would you get involved anyway, right? Because you're... Right. Yeah, you let them go. Yeah, let, you let them go. So to Fred's point, why even have security guards? Right. I just. I, I would, wow. uh, but I would have. I would have. A, I would down. have a shoplifting line to scan the products because, Alex, do you know whether they're getting over a thousand dollars or not for free stuff? And can you come back in the afternoon, Fred? <laughs> That's right. Let's do it again. If you if you, if you rob them in the morning, can you come back in the afternoon? Yeah. When is the uh, anyway? Let's move on to the next topic. Yes, please. All right. Um, Somebody played this audio a few days ago for us. We didn't get to to uh, get it on this program, but you know Pfizer is is one of those that's making vaccines, yeah, and now the boosters, uh huh, and um, you you know the major networks are big big uh, supporters of the vaccines and um, you know of the boosters and everything that Joe Biden is doing with regards to vaccine vaccine mandates. That's okay. Uh, with a lot of these major networks. I want you to listen to a series of pieces of audio of sponsorship audio. In other words, programs are sponsored by. Have a listen to this. Cut number six. Good Morning America is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. Okay, we got it. We got, we, I think you made your point, Fred. That they were making their, so what is your point, Fred? Don't bite the hand that feeds you. <laughs> okay. Right. I, I, right. I think that's underlying this. Yeah. You know, I'm, used to when, when, when something like this happened, and now maybe I've seen this, or maybe I've just missed this, but now when you're reporting on the COVID and vaccines, you need to say, in, in, uh, in CBS wants you to know, and in full disclosure, that we do take millions of dollars of advertising from the company we're about to promote, right? Yeah, but they don't. I don't. I doubt that they do that. But that 
Ray, that does that that does need to be factored in here. Uh, I'm not saying it should prevent people from getting a Pfizer vaccine if that's what they want to get. Uh, look, look, this but, whole thing, the, the, the fix is in, even though it's not written down. The Pfizer people are smart. First of all, they're making millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars. Who knows? They're making an unbelievable amount of money from the vaccine and all the other things they do. So it's really smart. By putting the millions of dollars into advertising, they almost guarantee there's going to be no negative stories on those networks about them. It's just not going to happen. That's why you do that much advertising. You you guarantee that if there's any criticism, it's going to be light and muted. Not going to be any hard-hitting stories about Pfizer because Pfizer's helping pay the bills. Yeah. You know, it, it's... It, <laughs> I think the word collusion uh, might be appropriate here. When and I'm talking about collusion, not not between Pfizer and the, and Johnson and Johnson. I'm not talking about that. The collusion is between the media and the Biden administration. Remember how the media, when when Trump was taking us through the early days of the pandemic, and then started talking about getting these companies to develop the vaccines. Right quickly operation uh, warp speed all the media you know they they because they hated trump they had to find negative spins to this wasn't it joe biden said he would never take a vaccine that was uh, kamala harris did kamala harris she, yeah she said if trump had anything to do with it she didn't trust it okay so that was then now we have the media anything the biden administration wants to do with vaccinations boosters all of that sort of thing their hand in glove with the media. Oh, yeah. And any criticism of boosters, uh, you mentioned ivermectin, whatever the case may be, the media is all over you. You know, it's now following the science, the whole right. thing. I have never seen the level of collusion between the media and an administration like I'm seeing right now. Uh, I've been in journalism for over 40 years. There used to be a pride taken that you were not, you know, I, I don't want to be seen as a lapdog for the government of the day. I'm supposed to s right. sit back, be dispassionate about this, whether it's conservative or liberals, and tell the truth, tell the story. <laughs> but not today. I, I mean, it's absolutely amazing what's going on out there. Well, it, it, it started happening last year, didn't it? When And I, I understand it's been happening long before, but this thing took off at warp speed mm -hmm. when Mr. Trump was in office and the pandemic hit and hydroxychloroquine and then later ivermectin. You couldn't even, well, on, on social media now, you can hardly even say anything about, quote, alternative treatments for COVID-19. You either don't talk about it or you have to praise the vaccine and all the rest. You can't dare to, uh, you can't dare to post contrary articles or articles with a different point of view because they'll put a warning or they'll slap you down or they'll mute you or they'll throw you off their platform altogether. This is collusion at a very high level. It's it's not in favor of free speech, right? It's uh, This is an attempt to suppress any dissenting points of view. And my question is, if the vaccine is the all-powerful solution that everybody says it is, um, how come you are... How come you are suppressing any contrary opinions? That seems to me to be against the spirit of America, which has always been in favor of free discussion of many points of view. Yeah, and um, even 
medical experts with right. uh, a lot of degrees are uh, they are recognized in their fields as uh, you know some of the top in the country. They're banned and censured. Walker yeah. Walker had a gentleman on the other day on his yes. show. Yes. Name escapes me. Worked for Johnson and Johnson. He's a researcher. Yeah, he had a guy, uh, a fellow's name. I can't remember it, but <clears throat> it's not unusual. Um, he uh, was on Walker's program, AFA at, at the, the core, core. and uh, he was talking about ivermectin and other things, and and also uh, he was banned. Uh, Walker, they, they the YouTube was it YouTube? YouTube, it, it was YouTube. Yeah, YouTube took down the video, the interview, yeah, a Walker show almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? Just, yeah. Wow. Just for a just for a wow, just for a conversation right. with a gentleman about this. Uh, anyway, it's just uh, that that it's weird when you can't even discuss alternatives. In the media, right? Our treatments, say, treatments, oh, right? Alternative yeah. treatments. You yeah. can't even talk about it. Yeah, it would be, it would be, it would be akin to, let's say, somebody wants to discuss alternative treatments for cancer. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know whether you get uh, chemotherapy or you radiation, do, radi- whatever you mm-hmm. do, this, that, or the other. These are your options. These are your alternatives. And so let's have a discussion about the pluses and minuses of said treatments. It, it would be like. Uh, YouTube or or any of the other social big social media giants or media saying, no, you can't discuss chemotherapy. We're going to close that discussion down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't even discuss it. You know, we're supposed to live in the in a free country that we can have open debate, dialogue, even about stuff that's wacky. Yep. Huh? Right. But, but we're seeing kind of censorship they see in China right now. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. It's a, it's it's a totalitarian state mentality we got going on here from the uh, left wingers. We shall be back with more in five minutes. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.